windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the Uh, hello? Bueller. 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 It's Sandos in the... Don't do it. If you value our partnership, don't do it. We've been putting it in together five years. Don't do it, Mike. Don't, don't do it, Mike. Dude, who's there? Why'd you do it, Mike? Why? Why? To humiliate me? Orange. For what? No. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. 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 I refuse. No. No. On the Buccaneers Sports Network. All right, it is a Monday, it is Labor Day, but guess what? I am at work because I'm excited to talk ETSU football. I'm excited to talk Southern Conference breakdown wrap-up. I'll have that for you. And, of course, my bold predictions recap, which um, wasn't too bad. wasn't too bad. I got one right, uh, lost two, but one of them had a couple shots. We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, not flying solo today because I've asked our sideline reporter extraordinaire former Marshall Thundering Herd man himself, Robert Harper, to join me in his comfy home, I guess, uh, in Waxhaw, North Carolina. And, Robert, let's talk a little bit about Mars Hill ETSU 2018. It was the first game for Randy Sanders. Didn't really know what to expect. This was the first game for George Corals. Um, again, kind of didn't know what to expect. And, and, and maybe a little different because we knew Billy Taylor was going to be the defensive coordinator for Randy Sanders. We knew Billy Taylor was going to be the defensive coordinator for – George Coral, so you kind of knew that going in, but this was similar to, I think, the setup for ETSU and Marshall back in 2018 for Coach Corals. Those those parallels, right? I mean, it started with Randy Sanders against Mars Hill, and now George Coral starts his ETSU uh, stint against Mars Hill, and you know, I think that when you just kind of put all those storylines together. Uh, it, it just it just made for a really good night, and that plus what was a huge crowd. I mean, it was unbelievable atmosphere, and then the final result, obviously the most important thing at forty four seven. I mean, you put all those things together. I don't know if uh, there's much more you could ask for in terms of the result category if you're a Buck fan. Yeah, you look at uh, the over thirty one hundred students. That's a new student record. I think Coach Corals already put out a video challenging to get the thirty five. 100 student tickets for the Furman game coming up in two weeks as ETSU will be on the road this week against the Citadel. But, you know, it's, I, I told a lot of people, I really talked to, to Matt Wiljum uh, at length about this, about the final score for me wouldn't really dictate how the game went because the 28-7 final score in Randy Sanders' 2018 opener against Mars Hill was also misleading because the Bucks had over 500 yards of total offense 
but they turned the ball over three times. They muffed the punt. They um, uh, missed a couple field goals similar to to uh, the game on Thursday. So it was just it was just different. And then the defense, you know, really didn't didn't turn over the football. And again, special teams turned it over as opposed to making big plays in special teams. And so the defense and special teams kind of flipped how the final score went in this one. So you knew what Billy Taylor was going to do, but there was some big shoes to fill on the defense. And clearly uh, guys like Mike Price and Elijah Huzzy, who had been there, done that, certainly uh, found a spot to step up big in, in the contest Thursday. Really impressed with the defensive side of the football because, as you mentioned, in the game in 2018, I mean, you didn't turn Marcel over. They did that uh, early and often in, in the ball game on Thursday night. I mean, they got to Garuza had two interceptions. One of them, obviously, uh, was a big one by Elijah Huzzy that he ended up taking all the way back for a touchdown. Um, and then you look at uh, some of the other things that happened in the ball game. The muff punt that was that was Marcel muffing a punt that kind of set up. ETSU's second score, excuse me, yeah, their, their, their second score. So, you know, those are things that, for me, flipped the game and flipped them really early um, was the play of the defense. I think Steven Scott in the middle of that linebacking core is in really good shape. We're kind of wondering what would happen with without Folks and Manuel and Donovan Manuel being at FIU and, and, and Jared Folks finally graduating after almost a full decade at the collegiate level. I mean, what would you look like at the middle linebacker spot? And I was really, really impressed with Steven Scott in that group in the middle of the football field. I think you're in really good hands there. And I think we felt like because Steven Scott had played so many quality snaps, and he played quality snaps in the opener last year and in, and in games leading up prior to his injury, that you felt like that if, if Steven Scott was fully healthy, that you know he would be solid there. But I thought the linebacking core overall was really, really good. They ran the football um, – less than a yard per carry. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. I don't care who you're playing. So, for me, I was I was really impressed with the linebacking core. And I thought the secondary was, was good. I don't, I don't know if it was great, but it was good enough for the most part. They forced turnovers. And I think when you're Billy Taylor's style of defense, that's all you want the back end to do is to be able to make plays on the football. In, in, in the new world of college football, I've always kind of looked at defense like this. You need one play a series that ends the drive. In the old world, it was, hey, you're not gaining a yard. That's that's a little hard to do in 2022. It's been hard to do for the last decade plus. But, you know, in the new world of college football, you need to make one play. And I think ETSU made multiple plays per drive that, that kept Marcel from gaining any type of rhythm. You take a look at the, the offense, and I think that's, you know, what we're going to spend a majority of time because that's the biggest unknown. Um, and – Kind of curious, you know, a lot of questions. What's it going to look like? Is this going to be Sanford or Sanford Light? Is this going to be a situation where they throw up 50 times, never run the football? Well, the first possession was, I think, the first four carries, first plays went to Jacob Sailors. He had 13 touches on the ground. He had one in the air. Of course, a touchdown reception. He had three scores in the first quarter. And a lot of people, he had 14 touches. But, Robert, I don't, you know, he didn't really play but two and a half quarters. I mean, with the score – uh, kind of already out of hand by halftime. And I think that's the difference between 2018. The first team had to continue to play because that was a 7-7 game at halftime. 
and then ETSU uh, turned it over to start the second half. It was only uh, going into fourth quarter. They led 14-7, and then they scored a couple in the fourth quarter to get it to 28-7. So I think it was just a different different animal. But we saw Tyler Adel go 14 of 19, 74% completion percentage. The three scores did have the one INT. Sailors gets 13 touches, averaged almost five yards a carry. Um you know, you look at Will Huzzy, a couple of touchdown passes. So, you know, kind of your first glance, overarching thoughts on the offense, and then maybe we'll, we'll dig a little deeper into uh, maybe some position groups. Marks as to how the game was going to be called. New offensive coordinator, of course, Randy Sanders called the plays a year ago. It was a very run-heavy, downhill-focused attack. We kind of wondered how would that change going into game number one. And I thought that the game plan to focus on Jacob Sailors was a very good one for two reasons. One is you want him to get touches in the new offense. And I think they felt like that if the offense was somewhat a level that they expected, that they would not be using Jacob Sailors very much from about the middle of the second quarter on. And they were probably pretty right. I mean, the way it kind of played out, they were very, very right. So I think they wanted to get him as many touches on the ground and obviously through the air with the one catch and the touchdown as they possibly could because they wanted to showcase their All-American and their preseason Southern Conference Player of the Year. I mean, to me, that makes perfect sense. And so they did that. So I was very happy to see that that decision or those those things play out. I think a lot of it, though, was dictated by how Mars Hill is going to play because, as we know, the way this offense is now structured – there's a lot of checks and changes that can happen before the ball's even snapped. So I think Tyler Rydell might have even been a part of some of those decision-making uh, things in order to get uh, Jacob Saylor's the football. So I think that, that that focus early on was very, very important. And I thought you know, Saylor's busted the big 40-yard touchdown. I think it was on the, the second t- drive of the ball game, uh, and, and ETSU went up 6 to nothing. never mind the, the cannon firing a little early there. And then the muff punt. Um, and then they or excuse me, a muff punt, and then Sailors on the very next play um, scores there, and you're up 13 to nothing with five minutes to go in the first quarter. So great start. And then I think he really only played one or two consequential drives after that. Obviously, he scored on the one yard touchdown run after the the turnover. So I think or the punt return, excuse me. So I think you know those things. You know, after that third drive where he scored, I, I don't know how much more a part of the offense they really wanted to even try to make him uh, because obviously. Uh, time uh, for for other guys as well as trying to work out some of the other things to the offense against live fire was probably just as important. Yeah, I know they were very conscious of trying to get extra offensive linemen some snaps just for the what if, and and Coach Corals used the example, you know, what if a guy goes down uh, mid-fourth quarter and you've got a, you know, a, a fourth and eight, and the, that's the first snap he's played all season, right? So you want to try to uh, avoid those situations when you can get guys in. And, I mean, you look at it, and Sailors had 13 carries, but, you know, depending on time and score and the opponent, you know, ETSU rushed it 36 times. You know, Trey Foster had eight carries, probably not going to have eight carries a game. Adrian Johnson's probably not going to have four carries. You know, so you, you could kind of grab those 12 and, and toss it back up into his category, and all of a sudden that's a 25-carry day for, for Jacob Sailors. Receiver-wise, tight end-wise, we knew some known factors. You know you know when you get a, a healthy Isaiah Wilson, what he can do. Noah West has made some plays in the past. Of course, Will Huzzy, uh, a chance to be an all-league-type performer. 
And then you add in a little slot receiver in Anaj Carter, and they did a couple different things to try to get him the football uh, running and catching. But all four of those guys started, Huzzy, West, uh, Carter, and Wilson, and everybody had at least two catches. West Carter, Wilson, two catches. Well, Huzzy, as you would imagine, the number one target with five catches. But Tyler Rydell doing a nice job of spreading it around. And honestly, there were some other receivers on the field. Uh, Cam Lewis is one that, that didn't get really a ball thrown his way. Adriel Clark, a young guy that can really run, had a couple tossed his way. And then uh, Jay Frierson, the tight end, who really made, I guess, a little bit of noise with his uh, ability on that uh, pooch kick a couple of times to to gain some positive yardage and then I like the way that coach tried to get running backs in space and, you know they got Bryson Irby a couple of catches of course Sailors had the wheel route for the touchdown but I'm excited about the receiving core and think this could be one of the deeper groups if not the deepest ETSU has ever been at the wide receiver position since I've been there in 20 I've been doing games since 2017 with you I think that you know, and I saw some games prior to that as well, but not a full season like I have since 2017. I think, you know, this is the most talented group. Um, you throw Cam Lewis uh, in that mix, and you've got, you know, two really tall, super athletic wide receivers. Will Huzzy an all-conference type performer. Obviously, I had an all-conference type performance the other night. I like Noah West in the tight end position. I, yes, obviously, you'd love to have Nate Atkins moved on to South Carolina, uh, but Noah West is has played meaningful snaps, uh, played a lot last year, is a good blocker. Um, his, his ability to run routes and, and receive the football got better as the year went on last year, and obviously that paid off in game one. And then, as you mentioned, getting the, the running backs involved. I think the one thing that you know I like is that it, is a Naj Carter in that slot. I think he's a true slot guy that has elite speed, and that's going to cause some problems. We saw him on a vertical route. Um, catch a pass interference call, which which helped move the football. We, you know, obviously saw him with a couple of catches, and and then obviously the, the run. So for me, I think though that mix is really really talented. And if you can stay healthy, I mean that's that's I think that's the strength of your offense right now. It is is that group um, of pass catchers it might be as good as as you've seen at ETSU, and I think that should excite you because that means big plays, especially because the guys out wide. And, and Huzzy and maybe Cam Lewis and, and Isaiah Wilson and some others, um, big targets who can make plays, who catch the football with their hands. Um, those guys can make uh, you know plays down the football field to get you chunks so that you're not having to try to do six, seven yards at a time. And, and you win with chunk plays. And that's how you move the football because it's really hard to have sustained 13, 14 play drives every single time you walk out onto the field. Talk about Tyler Rydell and your thoughts of uh, his – I know he had the one uh, interception, but uh, for the most part, his decision-making uh, – see, if you're critical, you could talk about the, – the one interception just a shot deep. They were trying to get a uh, one-on-one situation with Isaiah Wilson, overthrew it just a little bit. Um, maybe held on the ball a little bit too long to a couple of sacks, but overall 74% completion percentage. Uh, according to coach, you know, got the right checks, got some protection change. I think we talked about it on the broadcast a couple of times, switching a running back over to help pick up the uh, extra blitzer coming in and give the running backs credit for being able to do that all day uh, in the game against Mars Hill. But your thoughts on Tyler Rydell? Amy looked different. If you remember, we were talking prior to even, I think, being on the pregame show or even maybe in a break. I just – I felt like – he looked like a different football player than he did even at the end of the year last year. Uh, and not that he ever looked like he, he wasn't a quarterback, but I, I felt like he believed he was the 
2022. And I think there was some question marks, you know, being quite honest, whether or not he would even be the starter in a new offense for ETSU. And I think, you know, this coaching staff, George Quarles and others, found out just like Randy Sanders found out last year that once he got into the ballgame, he was exactly the guy that you want. And so I thought he looked good. Obviously, you mentioned some of the things that you would like to see him do a little bit better get rid of the football there on a couple of plays where he took some sacks. Um, you know, obviously the, the interception was, was an overthrow. Had he underthrown it a little bit, I think Wilson makes a play on the football at least down, if not catch the football for ETSU. Uh, but I think that was a predetermined shot. I don't think that was one where, you know, it was – I think he made a poor throw. I think he would tell you that. But I think it was a predetermined shot that they got one-on-one out there. They were going to – to throw the football up. So I think overall Tyler Rydell was was very good. I think the I think the play that stands out to me was something I don't think he could have done a year ago, which is when he was rolling left towards that sideline late in the ball game, or I guess late in his stint in the ball game, and he threw the dart uh, to Huzzy for a thirty-eight, or excuse me, for a seventeen-yard touchdown pass. I mean, that was that was as impressive. A play, excuse me, a 26-yard touchdown pass. That was impressive as a play that we've seen out of the quarterback position here in a while. And so I, I'm, I like what Tyler brings to the table. He's cool, calm, and collected. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. And uh, you kind of like that in a guy who's going to have so much responsibility on his shoulders, not just from throwing the football, but making sure the protection's right and getting you into the right place. I mean, Tyler's, Tyler's the right kind of guy for that. I mean, he's Pretty unassuming, Jay. You know that. But when he when he steps on the football field, he's pretty dogged. I like it. Yeah, so I I think the one thing you can tell the rapport between him and Will Huzzy is legit, especially, you know, not that the the, the scramble drill was, was anything uh, special, but listen to Will Huzzy kind of talk about that where, you know, he's supposed to run the post, and then once he saw him, you know, move, he, he moved with him. And, and Coach Corals commented after the game, he says, man, even in practice, you can just see that those two – just just have a legit connection uh, on the football field with Rodell knowing exactly where Will Huzzy's going to be and knows when he gets in trouble where to throw the football. And then, you know, having the smarts, too, of uh, they change the snap count, got somebody to jump off sides. When you do that, why not take a shot, throw a jump ball to uh, Will Huzzy? And, of course, Will Huzzy high-pointed it there for the touchdown. So, uh, you know, you look at Rodell, you know, like it is every year, man, it, it just because the way – you know, I don't know if it's the size, his stature, demeanor, but it seems like every year it's like, hey, we got to get somebody to replace Todd Rodell. And every year he comes out and he just, just keeps winning. As a matter of fact, that's what somebody asked him, you know, uh, he's still got a lot of football left, but how do you want to be remembered? And his quote was, I just want to be a winner. Just when they say my name, I hope they say that I'm a winner. And so certainly he put another win on his belt uh, against Mars Hill. Offensive line. Big guy you had to replace. Matter of fact, me and you were, were texting uh, last night watching the Sunday night game, LSU-Florida uh, State, because Traymond Shorts, who would have been the starting left tackle for ETSU, played a lot of right guard um, for the Bayou Bengals um, in that game against Florida State, so you knew you had to replace him. Big Fred, who, if you listen to the broadcast, got some time, but he's really not 100% to play an entire game. He's healthy enough to get out there on some special teams and – you know, he, he played a few snaps here and there on the offensive line, but they're really hoping that uh, they can get by with not having to play him next week and then possibly him be a full tilt go against Furman. So that being said, your two tackles from last year are gone, and Blake Austin had to move over to a tackle, a couple new guys in the in the lineup. Plus, there was some line shifting around by the coaching staff to get guys snaps. Do you chalk up 
um, just new offense, continuity. The offensive line at times showed brilliant flashes, and then at times looked to struggle. Combination of all three. Um, in Traymond Shorts, a guy who was a staple in that offensive line for several years. And obviously you can see the level that he can play at, right? I mean, he's playing in the SEC at a team that, you know, won a national championship a couple of years ago. So you know the level um, that he can play at. So you lose that, that, that's a tough loss, especially for ETSU and for anybody at the at the FCS level. Um, and then, you know, Big Fred being out. I mean, that's, that's somebody that you've been practicing with all spring and, and fall, and he's go uh, against Mars Hill. He played some, as you mentioned. Um, and then you have to move Blake Austin around. So when you start shifting offensive linemen, right, guys that have been playing their position uh, pretty exclusively for a couple of years, um, it's going to be a little, um, a little heartburn, I, I would think. Um, I don't think it's just going to be as fluid. You're, you're having to think more than react in certain situations. I can't imagine being Blake Austin trying to figure out tackle even though you may have practiced attack, we haven't played a ton there over the last couple of years, right? So trying to figure that out and think your way through what you're trying to do versus it being more instinctual at the guard position where you're, you're more comfortable. New guys in the mix. What I did like is that ETSU did their best job to play off every offensive lineman that dressed. I mean, they, they tried to play everybody that was dressed. When they got that 20-point lead, I think, and, and, you know, they 12 minutes in the game, they're up 20 to nothing. There was obviously that lull, and people were kind of like, ah, what's going on? But I think, for me, it was we're going to rotate guys in, especially along the offensive front, because we need live snaps for guys who have not played, haven't played this position in particular, or just need to get some continuity with, with the new offense. And so, for me, I think that was a brilliant move. But I agree. I think there's – there's a lot of work to be done there. I don't think George Quarles would disagree with that. I don't think anybody in that in that ETSU coaching staff would disagree. The, the offensive line play needs to be better. I think that as it gets healthier, um, that it will get better. I think it's just going to trend that direction. The question that you have to ask is how close can we get to the 2021 group able to provide a push up front for Jacob Sailors, Trey Foster, you know, and others. Bryce and Irby, they're going to be carrying the football. Um, can back to some level that um, can be. I don't that 2021 group Jay was pretty special when you add in Traymond Shorts. But you know, with the progression and the growth and having those guys back that you did get back, um, how close can you get to that 2021 group? That's going to be what's going to happen over the next three to four weeks. I think I think Citadel. And Furman are pivotal because they're league games. I think Robert Morris is pivotal because it's in the mix. But then after that, I think by the time you get to chat, you you, you hope that maybe some of those things have kind of worked themselves out. Let's talk about special teams because we know the return game has always uh, kind of been in play because we've seen glimpses from the from the spring COVID year to last year with Elijah Huzzy and of course two you know two big plays, one on defense, but then the sixty-two yard uh, career long. Uh, punt return got tripped up at the two-yard line. I think the last time the Bucks had had one over 50 was the Quan Harrison, um, the Hurricane game uh, in 2019. Uh, no, 18, 2018, where ETSU got a punt return from Quan Harrison for a touchdown against VMI. That was in one of those uh, six turnover uh, – I think ETSU forced six turnovers, but turned it over four times. That was the – 
Logan Marshy went in that game for ETSU against VMI in that one. But we saw Elijah Huzzy do great things. You know, we saw uh, Tyler Keltner miss a couple 53-yarders with plenty plenty of leg he didn't manage to knock through a 44 yarder i did get news that it was a uh they changed a tyler keltner miss pat to a team fail uh due to the cannon firing so he is still perfect on pats which seems like that probably fair to that young man and then i think maybe the biggest surprise was the freshman we knew nothing about other than the day before the game hey uh, this trace kelly kids won the punting job well, five punts, averaged 46 yards. He had two kicks over 50. He downed uh, Mars Hill twice inside the 20. Of course, he had the, the high hanger that was muffed that led to a turnover as well. But j- just talk about special teams and, and overall how good they looked. It was great. Uh, you know, I, they, they did not kick to Jacob Sailors and the deep man at all. Um, and I think that obviously the, when you're talking, Guys, they did a good job. First and foremost, you got to catch it. Second of all, if the if the play is to return it, then then you bring it up. And and Jalen Frierson did a great job in that with a, a big thirty eight yard return at one point uh, that that set ATSU ATSU up in great field position. I think the punt returns were in good hands. We expected that. I don't know if you expected the sixty two yarder and the near touchdown, but you know Husby has been in that position now for a couple of seasons prior, um, and so you expect. Um, him to be able to kind of hold that down. Uh, Tyler Keltner, I'm not worried about the field goal misses. Um, those were distance kicks, um, ones that I think he'll correct. And, again, he's dealing with a new long snapper. Um, so, you know, maybe timing just a, a part of that as well. And I am happy to see, again, like you mentioned, that they did remove the, the extra point miss because I think we were all caught off guard, and myself included. To, to go off in the middle of that snap. So um, I'm not worried about Tyler Keltner. I know what you're going to get. Um, the, the question is, is the mechanism going to be to be there? And I think with time, the, the good news is those guys can practice all, all game or all, all, uh, all part. They, they're, they're, their sole job is to kick and to work on those things. And so I think they will get there. But I was um, distance there jay i think the hang time was was spectacular and i didn't have a stopwatch on it and that might be something that i end up doing this weekend at the citadel but i was and i think everybody in the building was very impressed because we were i mean i questioned why in the world would you make the change hunting was good at the end of last year and if this is what you're going to see and we didn't see one of those five punts not look the way it was supposed to look punter in the league I mean, you averaged 46 yards a kick, none of which were really returned. You had one go into the end zone, and along with 52, that's an all-conference performance. Now you got 10 more games to do it in. But, I, I mean, it, from really, really solid spot because you've got two guys returning that are all-conference guys, Husey and Keltner, and then I think you've got – I think you've upgraded at the punting position with, with, with Trace Keller. All right, Robert, your thoughts uh, uh, transition. I'll do a full breakdown uh, probably coming up on Thursday of the Citadel, but your thoughts on ETSU, what they need to improve, and, and sort of the challenges going into week two. I, I think defensively you have a lot of guys back that have played against this scheme. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting, and I haven't watched the game yet. I've only watched portions of the Citadel and Campbell. Uh, from last Thursday night where, where Campbell won that game. 
how the Citadel handles the new blocking rules on the outside. So that actually is, I think, a benefit um, to the perimeter players for ETSU because in the old world, you got to watch out for kneecaps and ankles, right? Um, because that's what was coming. Well, you can no longer low block on the perimeter outside the tackle box. So now it's, it's going to be kind of an engage and drive situation. If you can escape the engage, you're going to be in a position uh, to make a tackle. Uh, so I, I think for ETSU defensively, Billy Taylor's been there, done that. When it comes to the triple option, I, I think that's, I think that you're in good hands there. Offensively, uh, go back, watch film, and approve upon yourself. I think the one question we haven't asked in this segment, and, and really since you know the game even started, and I think we touched on it a bit, but you know how much of this was base versus how much are we expected to really see when Southern Conference play hits? Like how much news going to get installed? Because I, I think we expected to see, I expected to see more sideline to sideline stuff, and I, we didn't really see any of that. If you recall, I mean, I expected to see more wide receiver screens, things of that nature, um, little hot passes. I don't, I don't think we saw one or two the entire game the other night. So, you know, it's installed. Uh, how much more complex does the running game get? How much better does it get when the, with the improvement of the offensive line? But I think working on, on the running game is going to be key for a couple of reasons. One is that's what with ETSU's or Jacob Salis has had his most success over the last four years is with a with a with a run heavy attack or run focused attack and not that this isn't, but how much more physical can you be in up front? Um, how much healthier do you get over the next week in order to be more physical and to be kind of put guys back in their right place? And I think late in ball games you're gonna have to run the football. I think that was the one thing that when we looked when you look at ETSU and, and we had a lot of comebacks last year, but uh, and, and in twenty eighteen as well, but in games where they've had the lead the buck half. I mean, you just, this, the running game was guaranteed a couple of first downs at minimum, and you could hand it off six, seven, eight straight times. Well, can you get And I think that's where Southern Conference football is, is, is going to tell the story for 2022 ETSU. But for me, this is a good spot. I think special teams is fine. I think consistent. Be the big negative plays in the sacks, those types of things. So what do you what do you learn in film and what do you improve on in practice and then how do you game plan for the Citadel? All right, Robert, we appreciate it, buddy. I'll uh, see you down in Charleston coming up this weekend. It's going to be fun. All right, that's a look at ETSU and Mars Hill. Let's break down a little Southern Conference scoreboard action. Breakdown. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two. Sandoz and the sidekick. We have ignition. Strap it on. Here we go. In your face, all over the place. Let's break it down. Let's talk a little bit about Southern Conference football. And boy, non conference weekend, pretty good if you are a Southern Conference fan. Um, Sanford, and I know uh, most people. Do hate the, uh, you know, uh, Kennesaw State Owls. And, boy, did Sanford make a statement in that game on Thursday night. It was a situation where they went into the fourth quarter um, trailing. Uh, I guess it was 17-14. They went to Sanford, uh, took a couple touchdowns, a couple passes to Kendall Watson by the new quarterback, uh, Michael Hires. And so it was a 14-7 game at half. 
Kennesaw State was able to put 10 points on the board, and in the fourth quarter, uh, it was the Sanford Bulldogs, Chandler Smith, and again, uh, an all-conference receiver, 15-yard and 31-yard touchdown receptions, and uh, scored with 1240 and then took the lead uh, at 1240, and then they added to it at 504, and Kennesaw State, uh, really nothing going in the fourth quarter, and I think the big reason for that is the number of FBS transfers that they've been able to bring in. Uh, the Sanford Bulldogs, and so they were able to kind of keep uh, uh, Kennesaw State at check, held them to 328 yards total offense. Xavier Shepard just 5 of 13 pass and 135 yards. He had 35 carries for 64 yards, average 1.8. He was last year in the running for maybe the Walter Payton Award winner. He set all kinds of records last year. Of course, he got injured in the game against ETSU and had to be in relief, but uh, what a huge Huge win. Uh, Hires, just 24 pass attempts. There were 32 rush attempts. Uh, Jay Stanton's back at the tailback position. He had 16 carries for 90 yards, 5.6 yards per attempt. Kendall Watson, nine catches, 187 yards. Smith, three for 67, two of those uh, for scores. And so for the Sanford Bulldogs, certainly, I think, an impressive feat. There are a few names back for uh, Sanford on defense that, that you would recognize and Noah Martin, Nathan East. But uh, I'll, some of these other names are FBS transfer guys, and so certainly they were able to – and that's been the problem, right? Sanford's not been able to make stops. They were able to make stops, and they knocked off the number eight team in the country, the Kennesaw State Owls. The other game um, that I kind of want to talk about is just a, a league game because it was the only league game. And I, I think, um, man, you sit there and you look again at – the Wofford Terriers, they've now lost 10 straight league games. They lost the last game of spring 21 before COVID knocked out the rest of their season. They lost every game last year in the fall, and they start off 0-1 um, here against Chattanooga. I mean, you know, got blanked. And I think that's the, the one thing. Chattanooga, you know, 24 nothing halftime, added one in the third. And really Wofford uh, had trouble with the turnover bug. They did turn it over. Uh, a few times, and I guess uh, you know you can always give credit to the defense for that, which we know at Chattanooga is pretty good. They forced uh, one interception, a couple fumbles, uh, and so um, uh, able to just turn the football over. And one of those fumbles, just just a bad snap that couldn't be handled. Jimmy Wyrick got to start at quarterback again, 14 of 2133 yards, and it was Preston Hutchinson, the transfer from Eastern Michigan. He beat out Cole Copeland. For the job this year, he was 11 for 18, 171 yards and a touchdown. But their game, you know, is handed off. And a limb forward, what a monster game. 18 carries, 156 yards, almost nine yards per carry for that young man. Had a long of 86. Geno Appleberry, just seven carries for 24 yards. Rushing the football, Nathan Walker, 12 carries for 32. It was Kyle Parsons, 12 for 46. Um, and, and Wofford uh, leading receivers, Landon Parker, a couple of catches, Jordan Davis for UTC, Sam Phillips, three uh, receptions for 50, and Lynn Ford just doing it all, two catches for 46. But really, it was just the ground game and defensive numbers uh, for Chattanooga. It really just held everything in check. Jay Pearson, all-league performer last year, preseason this year. He had uh, two-and-a-half tackles for a loss, a sack, a forced fumble, uh, Lowry with an INT for um, Chattanooga. And so, uh, you know, just 
a dominant performance by the Mox, who's expected to be a top three team. And, uh, may, well, preseason uh, picked to win it in Southern Conference, so I don't even want to uh, slight them as a top three team. They were picked to win the league and certainly showed the part there. And for the Terriers and for um, Wofford, they've really got a lot of soul-searching to do and try to figure some things out. And that was a tough task, I'll give them that, you know, to take on the league favorite to get going. They've got a new offensive co-coordinators but for the Wofford Terriers, uh, Josh Conklin, it is uh, uh, not looking great and, and could be a very, very long year uh, for them. Let's take a look at a non-conference win, another one for the league. Uh, maybe not as impressive, uh, clearly not as impressive because it wasn't a ranked game, but Western Carolina goes down. First ever matchup, I believe I read, with Charleston Southern and 52 points on the board, 52-38 the final score. And Western Carolina knew that – offensively probably wouldn't be that big of a problem and it certainly was not on this day um, giving up 38 points I'm sure that's something they would like to figure out how to stop and that's why they brought in a majority of the what was it like 63 new guys on the roster this year but Carlos Davis who got a couple of starts last year at quarterback boy he threw for 433 yards six touchdowns did turn it over twice um, 72 for a long um, and you look at uh, Raphael Williams, the speedster, 10 catches, 112 yards, and a score. Uh, Lee, one catch, 72, and a score. White, uh, three catches, 63, and a score. Uh, who else? Kilgee, Horn, and Williams, all touchdown receptions for Western Carolina. Uh, Desmond Reed, nine carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. T.J. Jones, 13 carries, 63 yards. So 38 rushes, 36 passes for Western Carolina, 183 yards on the ground, 433 yards uh, in the air. Uh, just an impressive day in which they racked up 616 yards, 74 plays, averaged 8.3 um, uh, yards per play. They did turn it over four times, though, two interceptions and two fumbles. Otherwise, the uh, game could have been uh, much uglier. They did force two turnovers as Charleston Southern, 481 yards of total offense, and they turned it over on an interception and a fumble. So the Catamounts uh, certainly off uh, to a good start offensively. We knew um, what you were kind of what you were going to get, especially with Carlos Davis returning, a couple of key wide receivers, including uh, Raphael Williams, who had the, the 10 catch day. So I, I think Western Carolina is one of those teams, man. They, they you know, I, I don't know that they're good enough to be in the top three of the league yet to, to kind of sur, surpass Mercer, ETSU, Chattanooga, but I just feel like um, that they are going to be a, a tough out, um, uh, especially in the league this season. So, that's a look at uh, Western Carolina. You look at Furman. Furman took on North Greenville. As you would imagine, that's probably a game they should run away with, and they did. They rolled out a new quarterback as well, and that's sort of the theme this year. It's a lot of new quarterbacks, right? Chattanooga, new quarterback. I, I, I don't know what you can say, call Carlos Davis a new quarterback because he, he did start a game last year. So um, was it was a backup and took over. So I guess maybe you can go that. Tyler Huff, the transfer from Presbyterian for Furman. Michael Hires over at um, uh, Sanford got the start. We'll talk about some more guys here. But Huff, uh, who was a Presbyterian um, a year ago, transfers over as a grad transfer, 189 yards passing, plus he ran for 94 yards. He had a 56-yard touchdown run. So he's a little bit uh, all over the place. But they jumped out to a 45-0 lead over North Greenville, never looked back, 52-0, racked up almost 600 yards of total offense. So a good start for the Furman Paladins. 
Then uh, let's look at a couple other games which did not go a Southern Conference way, and that would be Campbell uh, thoroughly dominated. I felt like the Citadel, when you look at some of the numbers, um, you know, 373 yards of total offense for Campbell, just 222 yards for the Citadel, 35 yards in the air, 187 on the ground. They were held 13 first downs. They were 4 of 13 on third down. They had the ball for 36 minutes, but could only get 222 yards. Campbell um, was able to really get things going early. They got their quarterback back, Malik Williams, and so um, he proved to be sort of a difference maker. They were kind of rolling last year. Um, and then he got hurt, and then Campbell kind of struggled, but getting him back uh, into the mix. Plus, Campbell was able uh, to get three field goals from Caleb Dowden. But Campbell rolls 29-10. ETSU will uh, you know, certainly uh, turn on the tape. And as uh, Robert kind of mentioned, the new blocking rules, how will that um, hurt the Citadel? It certainly looked like it did hurt the run game on the outside. Could be good news for ETSU. But obviously you think Citadel is going to be able to try to figure some things out, try some new things. He did have a new quarterback, a transfer from Wofford and Peyton Derrick, just three for five, 35 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Cooper Wallace, uh, 10 carries for him, 53 yards. Sam Llewellyn, 13 carries, 26 yards. Logan Billen, seven for 43. Derrick kept it 10 times for 38 couple uh, catches, Tyler uh, Cherry, two catches, one touchdown, and Cooper Wallace, one catch for five. And I guess maybe that's the biggest uh, thing. Uh, how are they going to replace Raleigh Webb? Uh, Tyler Cherry would try to be that home run hitter. But Citadel Falls will break them down uh, a little bit going into uh, on Thursday because that's the next opponent for ETSU. Wake Forest rolled over VMI. Um, Seth Morgan and Colin Ironside each got in the game. They combined for just 139 yards passing. They fell to the Demon Deeks 44-14. And then it was uh, a tough task. Auburn jumped out 42-0 on Mercer. They go on to win 42-16. So let's look around the Southern Conference, our breakdown of it. We'll have a preview of the uh, matchups coming up this weekend. But right now, let's see how I did. Uh, it, I know bold predictions isn't quite as fun when you're by yourself, but uh, needless to say, let's see how I did on old bold predictions. Shohei Otani has taken the MLB by storm this season. He's the first player in MLB history to be selected to the All-Star game as both a pitcher and a position player. The Brooklyn Nets are home. They are done. If they were committed, if they put in that work, you'd be in the Eastern Conference right now. The Brooklyn Nets are home watching a playoff with the rest of us. JaVale McGee has been added to the Team USA roster. Yes, I'll say that again. JaVale McGee. Damari Monsanto announced he would not be returning to the Buccaneers. A six foot six, 225 pound, three star shooting guard was this year's Southern Conference Freshman of the Year. But Jay is my teammate. He stepped up with the 17 green to our left, the 18th tee, 45 yards away. Jay proceeds to hit from the 18th tee to the 17th green and into the 17th bucket. All right, bold prediction recap time. Let's see what I got uh, right, what I got wrong. And, um, well, Tyler Keltner, I said, would hit a 50-plus yard field goal. He had two chances, and unfortunately uh, didn't get either one of them. Bucks did not throw for 350 yards, but they did force two defensive touchdowns. I should have been 2-1, and one, but I fall to 1-2 and two early on, which means I'm a game up on Mike Gallagher. Suck it, Mike. 
already up on you. I don't know if he knows that or not. All right, Thursday, we're going to talk about ETSU and the Citadel. We'll do a deep dive there, plus we'll preview the weekend Southern Conference uh, teams and their matchups this weekend. Uh, we got that, and then I'll give some more bold predictions, and uh, maybe we'll go four downs. We'll figure it out. But a lot to talk about on Sandos No Sidekick. I'll be back with you Thursday previewing the Citadel and the box. That game will be down in Charleston, South Carolina. We'll be there for 4 o'clock, 2.30 pregame show. But another edition of Sandos No Sidekick coming up on Thursday. Buccaneer Sports Network. <laughs>